Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. And this is the podcast where we talk about the writing craft and crafting a writer's life. And for science fiction and fantasy novelists, that means making up new worlds and even new species in a way that also resonates with those of us here now in this world. And that's one of the things, one of the many things I want to talk about with Con Wong. He's a science fiction fantasy author, and he's here on the show today to talk about his new book, The Circus Infinite, and everything else. Welcome to the show, Con. Hi, Polly. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. I have so many questions for you. And you've led an interesting life as well, not just as an author. Khan is a poet, a cello player, an internationally known hula hoop teacher and performer who has toured with a circus, produced circus art shows, and taught workshops all over the world. And today he's going to talk about how his real life experiences inform his science fiction and fantasy writing. And we're going to get to it right after the dailies. What does a day in the life of Con Wong look like? I retired from my civil service job uh, right at the time that the offer came in for the Circus Infinite. Uh, so I have been living a uh, writer's life since then, um, but not I'm not able to do it because of royalties. I'm able to do it because of a pension. <laughs> um, but so so all that is a roundabout way of getting at what my life looks like now, which is quite a bit different than when I wrote The Circuit's Infinite. Um, I usually start with coffee and email. <laughs> so, I mean, so in that sense, it's not that mm-hmm. different <laughs> than when I had my day job. Um, it's just that the emails are different now. <laughs> um, and not that I have that much like correspondence, I tend to, you know, but but I, I do that. I social media, um, which is part of the gig. Um, and if there's any promotion or um, just like correspondence with fellow writers that like I, I might be trading comments or things like that on works in progress with other writers. And so like I start my day with coffee and doing all that kind of outward facing, community focused, promotional, etc. Um, and then after that is when I get into working on whatever project that I happen to be working on. Um, 
And if, if I'm in drafting mode on something, then I sit down and draft. And if I'm in revision mode, then then that's that's what I do. I am not one of those writers that can work on multiple projects at the same time. I have to finish one and then move on to the other. Um, I kind of wish I could do it the other way around, but that's not how it works for me. So and that yeah. was a long-winded answer to your question. No, that's exactly the kind of stuff I'm always okay. curious about. I want to be one of those writers too that can, can I, I dabble in multiple different projects, but truly my focus is usually on the thing that's coming due or the thing where my interest is at that moment. Or, But you touched on an uh, important part. I think we talk a lot about on the show about writing, of course, but also the business of writing. And you talked about your correspondence and if there's social media need to having a presence as part of this job now, it sounds like for you. It, it is for sure. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I, I am contractually obligated. Um, although it's not very prescriptive what I do, uh, but, but for, but it, in, in the media landscape in which we exist now, I, I think social media is, is almost a requirement. There are, you know, a couple of best-selling authors in the genre. Uh, Becky Chambers comes to mind, for example, and she has no social media presence whatsoever. Uh, and I'm kind of jealous of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, until one's books sell at that level, you, we, you kind of have to do it. <laughs> Did you always want to land here was being a novelist something you had always thought about in between the hula hoop teaching and the arts work you've done is was this the route for you uh yes a short answer is yes <laughs> uh, uh being an author had been my goal and ambition since i was a kid uh you know i started writing short stories when I was, I don't know, eight or nine or so after reading the Chronicles of Narnia, that was like one of, that was my kind of gateway. Um, and <laughs> um, uh, well, actually the first book I remember reading was something called Stowaway to the Mushroom Planet, which was this middle grade sci-fi book, but I, I digress. Cool. Anyway, um, so, th so it had always been my ambition since I was a kid to be an author. And I initially made like my first run at an author career uh, when I was in my 20s, back in the 90s. And um, I had I signed with a rock star agent and like I thought I had it made and it, it was all gonna happen, you know? Uh, and that book came very close, but it ended up not selling. And um I was told by uh, somebody on the ed editorial team that the, that everyone was really into it except for this one guy in marketing who didn't know how to sell it. And, um, and also, also it, it, it was around the same time a book called China Mountain Zhang had been released, which was uh, made a splash at the time. Um, and it featured a protagonist that was a gay Asian male. And he, this marketing person had apparently pointed at that book and said, well, the gay Asian male has already been done. So we don't need another yeah. one. The one book. <laughs> the one yeah. book. Right? There you go. So, uh, so, so all of that meant that that book didn't sell. And um, 
uh, and then after, uh, and then subsequently, my agent dropped me um, by sending a fax to my day job. <laughs> I, I I just find that so funny. I always have to share that detail when I tell the story. Uh, and then so after that, it made me question not so much the writing, but the, but the publishing industry. And and I thought, okay, what is this business really something I want to be a part of? Like, I don't I, like, you know, it sent me into this whole existential thing. And, um, and after that, I decided to take a step away from writing and explore other interests. And I, um, I had really focused on writing poetry when I was an undergrad. And so I went back to that for a little bit. And then when I discovered um, the flow arts and started um, training with the hoop and getting involved in the circus community here in the Bay Area, um, those writing ambitions kind of just evaporate. Like I just, mm. I did, it's not so much I intentionally set it aside as, um, it just wasn't like there and that's not where my creative energies were were going anymore and i had this whole other world to explore and 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 everything um and then um fast forward to about 2017 i was on vacation with a couple of good friends and you know we were having one of those late night who knows how many bottles of wine conversations um you know talking about life and etc and um, we each had a writing project that we that we had long been on the back burner for each of us, and we kind of made a pact that night to, at, at, for accountability purposes. Like, okay, we're each gonna write this thing that we say we want to write, um, and 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 that's what got me back into um, that's what got me back into it. And initially, uh, that book that almost sold but didn't it felt like unfinished business to me. So I went and did another draft of that novel and then realized that it just really, it felt dated and mm. it, it just, um, like, it felt like very 90s cyberpunky corporate dystopia. And like, I mean, because that's the era in which it was conceived. Um, and so, so I, I, I got the draft out and it wasn't good enough to like try to query and sell, but it was good enough that I could say, okay, I did that. I can set it aside now and like move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, so then I wrote the next thing and that didn't go anywhere. And then I wrote the Circus Infinite. Did you know when you were writing the Circus Infinite that there was something different about it? Or do you think it's all quality work and this just hit at the right time? How do you explain that part of the profession? Well, whenever you're working on a project, uh, I can't, I, I don't, I, I don't really do short stories that much. So I can't speak to what, how short stories might feel. But for me, when I'm working on a novel, I always, you know, before, I always think, oh, this this one's going to be a hit. This one's going to sell. Right. This one, you know, because <laughs> um, you're really into it. Uh, you know, it's and you have to be really into it to 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 put in the time that's required to not only draft a hundred thousand words or sometimes more, um, but and then but then like read it over and over and over and over again to revise and edit and polish it and and do all that. So you have to be into it to even do to even motivate yourself to sit down and do the work. 
Um, but then you can look at it objectively afterwards. Um, and so when I wrote The Circus Infinite, um, it felt different in the sense that I, I wasn't only drawing on uh, interests of mine, but actually drawing on some of my lived experiences um, with being involved with um, flow arts shows and circus shows and having gone on tour and, and, and done all that kind of thing. Um, so, and, and even though this was a futuristic, fantastical world and the characters are largely not human, um, having it grounded in actual, some autobiographical detail added a little bit of spark, I guess. There's a there's a little bit of extra sparkle to, to it that I felt even, even while writing it. And um, found family was really kind of in the air at the time um, in book discussion circles online and not even only book discussion, but like pop culture in general, you know, um, adaptations of fantasy shows and what have you. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I very consciously uh, highlighted the found family element of, of, of circus. Um, that was just about, that was pretty much the only element of like, kind of intentional commercial quality that I that I injected. Um, otherwise, like I, I knew this was gonna be like a queer artistic community doing their, you know, putting together their cool show. And, and that's kind of what the central um, conceit of the book was, so. And you draw on those relationships, right? You, you looked for places to build in this diversity and this conflict and, often pieces that we're seeing in our world today was was that intentional do you sit down with an outline or or a, you know a, a scene that you want to develop and expand into this thing or does that emerge as your writing um this is this answer is a little bit of a cheat but a little bit of both all right i'll take that <laughs> so uh i normally i, I typically do outline but I don't always stick to the outline. So um, it, it's kind of like, I, I think of the outline as, uh, so I think of the outline as kind of like, you know, looking at a map and planning a road trip. And you might have a general sense of the route, but as you go, you might hear about some cool thing that wasn't on the map uh, and you go and check it out yeah, and you know and you take little detours and then the shape of the trip can change from that and the so the say I approach stories the same way you know I, I might I, I'll make the outline so I have some sense of direction and it helps me to keep the momentum going mm. um it it saves a lot of that staring at the screen wondering okay like what happens now I have no idea like what happens now um but I, I I don't treat it as prescriptive, you know, and in the writing of it, things will come up and think the characters might surprise you or a plot twist that you hadn't thought of when you did the outline pops up in your head while you're writing and then, okay, I'm going to go this way now. Um, so, so that, so that, so that does, that does happen. Um, with circus though, I, 
it was the first time I started drafting something without an outline. Hmm. Um, like, uh, 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 but then I subsequently made an outline. Like, <laughs> so um, I, I had a sense of the character and the world, and I knew that he was going to meet up with the circus. Um, uh, uh, and and that's what I started writing, uh, just with with that in mind. And it wasn't until um, about chapter six, about like when the 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 antagonist of the piece. There's two antagonists, but the kind of antagonist that we spend the most time with is this crime boss. And what, when I started writing the book, I didn't know that this character was even going to a thing <laughs> and it was right around the time when um our protagonist's boss asks him to accompany her on a meeting with this crime boss that i was like oh there's a crime boss oh and then once i understood about that character i outlined from that point on I love how things emerge like that, you know, and, and this is the part that no matter what your process is, we talk on the show a lot about, it doesn't matter how you do it, but know how you do it so that you can allow for things like that. When you sit down to write sci-fi, to write fantasy, do you go in with the world in mind first or the characters in mind? Does it matter? Are they equally as important? I hear so much about world building. What role does that take in your planning the development of this novel as you write it? Well, um, for for Circus, it was the world that came first. Um, I, and, I, and again, this is another <clears throat> example of how the Circus Infinite was anom anomalous to my normal process. Um, but yeah, I, I had created... Uh, I had done all this world building for the Nine Star Congress of Conscious Worlds, uh, which is the name of the kind of quote unquote federation of planets that's, um, that the Circus Infinite is set in. And I had done, um, you know, I, I like figure out the stars uh, and where they all were and the planets around them and the different species and the different important historical elements and cultural things and even some alien vocabulary words and like all this stuff. And then I set about thinking um, like, okay, I, like I want to write a story set in this world, but what, but what's the story? And, um, and, you know, I had on my bucket list was to write a circus book, but I had always thought it would be a set on earth, more realistic mm. circus book that like it hadn't occurred to me, oh, space fantasy circus, why not? Um, and so that, so, but then that's what happened. I, I had thought, oh, I, I want to write a book in this fantastical future space world and I want to do a circus book. So why not make it the same book? And, and so that's, that's how that happened. Uh, but for subsequent books, um, so I I have a second book coming out um, also with Angry Robot um, that's due to come out in spring of 2025. And for that book, um, it was really the characters and the setting. It's it set in three different time periods in San Francisco. And, um, and each of the point of view characters is, you know, living in a different time period. Um, 
and that and that so that that concept and is is kind of where it started and i knew san francisco was going to be a key piece like it places character kind of thing and 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 i had and, and i knew who these three and people were going to be um i didn't quite know what the story was but but uh, but it started with 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 setting and with characters um and in the new book that i'm working on now I, it started with the characters you got a lot going on. I want to hear more about it. We're going to take a short break right here on Simply Write with Polly, part of the Creators Network of Electrocast. We're talking to author Con Wong about the Cirque's Infinite and the other projects he has coming up as a science fiction and fantasy writer. I want to know what that means, too. We're going to talk a little bit about the sci-fi market, what it means to write fantasy when we come back right here on Simply Write with Polly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back, let's simply write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about the writer's craft and crafting a writer's life. And we have science fiction fantasy author, Con Wong here today. We're talking about his newest book, Circus Infinite, but he's got a couple of others in the works. And, and Con, you said you weren't initially thinking necessarily about a fantasy book or a sci-fi book. And, and when you decided you wanted to make the world and bring this life together in, you know, on a imaginary planet, did that make you a science fiction writer? Is that what it takes? And how, how do you feel locked in by the genre or not? Is it where you like to be or do you want to dabble in other things as well? Well, I um, like to blur genre lines. <laughs> uh, so the Circus Infinite is categorized as science fiction, uh, I think, solely because it's set in outer space and there's mm -hmm. aliens. But uh, it, it is in no way rooted in actual science. Uh, it, <laughs> this is not the kind of science fiction that extrapolates from real world science or, or even real world scientific theories. Um, so, so it, it's, I, I, I refer to it as a space fantasy, mm -hmm. which unfortunately is not a category that is in bookstores. <laughs> um, um, I mean, so, I mean, so, so my approach to genre is very, is very, um, blurry and I like to hybrid, hybridize things. Um, so so yeah so for when i talk about the book i refer to it as uh space fantasy yeah but, i haven't but, i'm sorry i haven't read it all yet but the part you know as i get into it now i think that's an app description and and that 
works for me. I'm wondering if that was problematic for you when you were taking it to market, when you were looking for agents and, and signing a deal that included other books. Did they want more than that? Did they, from the market perspective, want you to say this is a science fiction book or this is a fantasy? Or have you been able to get around that a little bit? Well, I mean, it does say science fiction on the cover. So, I, and, and, you know, and that's, and that's fine. Like, um, you know, I mean, I, it, it, I, I think readers, these categories really are for marketing purposes. They're for the sales folks and for like which shelf on the books in, in the bookstore it, it, it goes in. But I think at this point in time, um, writers and certainly readers are accustomed to a blurring of, the lines um <clears throat> so uh yeah so i don't mind that it's called science fiction and, and 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 i kind of understand that if the story is futuristic and if it's in outer space it's 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 going to be science fiction even if it's not really particularly grounded in in in, in real science um i kind of just accept that that's how it goes and and that's fine and readers readers get that and and you know there's so many subgenres mm -hmm. which, which space fantasy i think it can can be one of them um some folks refer to the to circus infinite as a space opera oh. um and i can see why but um to me it doesn't for my definition of what space opera is i don't feel Circus Infinite really fully qualifies, but I can kind of see why mm -hmm. people use that term. And I think you're right. I think, you know, when I was starting out as a writer and I've, I've published nonfiction books and I'm working on a novel now and I've done all these things in between, it was pick your genre and keep your head down and do it that way. I don't think it works like that anymore. There's, I think there's a freedom. If you write well and you have a story to tell, somebody's going to find that if you do your job on the other end and, and love it. And so I think, I think it's a kind of an exciting time to be among this because the lines are getting blurred, hopefully yeah. in a way that's bringing more readers in too. I, I think so. I think it's very exciting. Um, I will say though, so so the Circus Infinite got published um, by it, it was picked out of the slush pile by um, Angry Robot Books mm. during their open submission period, and uh, it's not common um, for publishers to to accept open submissions, as I'm, I'm sure you and your listeners are probably well aware. Most traditional publishers um, only take agent to submissions but angry robot has this open submission period that they do um annually i think and so i sent it in and i actually had high hopes when i sent it in i thought that angry robot would would be a good home for the book because their title they tend to go for stories that are a little bit off the beaten path hmm. from 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 how these the genres that they work in tend to be defined and i liked that about them and so i thought that this fantastical space book um might might suit them and uh, and it turns out that it did uh and and i got i had got i signed with my agent after angry robot offered on the book but prior to that i hadn't really gotten um a lot of 
age of interest. Like I came close with a couple um, and they sent me lovely, uh, what we call in the business, champagne rejections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, 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 so, and so that was nice, but, um, and I do wonder if the blurry genre like um was an impediment to the agents um but it worked for this particular publisher and it's it's and like here and here we are so i mean so so it worked out um i guess all this to say is don't i mean there is kind of a standard like best practice if you want to pursue traditional publishing um as opposed to self-publishing there there is a, a kind of a standard you know you do your query letter you approach the agents and so on and so forth um, but I think if you keep your eye out for opportunities, um, Angry Robot's not the only publisher that does these open submission periods, although they do tend to be, I mean, if you, if you have your heart set on a big five, you know, six figure deal, that's not going to happen through an open submission process, <laughs> but, but, um, if if you're more focused on 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 the story and being true to your vision and and just wanting your book out there to, and hopefully find its readership and are willing to go with a smaller publisher like keep your eye out for for these opportunities and you, they might prove to be more fruitful than the standard way i mean it's it, it worked out for me so i don't know maybe there's a little bit of survivor bias or whatever but well, I, I think it's valuable. I, I think you need to know your why and what it is you want to create and why you're doing this and stay true to the work. But but I also agree with you. There's lots of ways in if you're persistent, right? You can you can go through the traditional channels and seeking agents while submitting to Angry Robot in open submissions. And, exactly. and once you get it out there, maybe the universe becomes a part of things a little bit and things fall as they should, or maybe I'm being too philosophical, but it's happened to me too in more than once. So I, I believe if, if we do the work, that's what we can control, right? We can do that. Sure. And once that's done, you, you never know. It may land in the drawer for the rest of your career, or it might become the thing. And mm -hmm. it's great. That's great when it becomes the thing. What what uh, we're going to wind it up here in just a minute, Con. But I'm I'm curious when you, after all these years of thinking about these ideas and trying with a few different manuscripts and so forth, what did it feel like when you saw the book? It um it was really moving. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't I didn't ball, but I did tear up. <laughs> sure, uh, I would it too. was a little. I mean, it, it's really it was really really a trip. Um, I mean, I, I started, it's kind of like the feeling, that weird feeling like, oh, holy shit, this is really happening, um, came when they sent me the cover art. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a cover. Oh, it's real. The title of my manuscript <laughs> and there's like art and my name is on it. Um, but then when the book actually came and I actually held it and riffled through the pages and like saw it, it, it. It, it blew my mind a little bit it was a little I still can't kind of like it's I mean I'm, I keep looking off to the side I know your listeners aren't seeing this but I, I keep looking off to the side because I have a copy of my book um I was that I was gonna hold up anyway <laughs> but it still it still trips me out um yeah. yeah I think it's um I think it's that moment that really 
I went from, uh, this is, I'm never doing this again to, oh, well, hey, I'm doing this again. <laughs> you know, it made it all just kind of tangible after all these years and ideas. So fantastic. What's in the dust? Han Wong, is there any trinket or charm or tool that you like to have around you when you write? Um, there, are, there are. I have um, on the base of my computer monitor, um, I have a little uh, Ganesh, uh, who's a Hindu deity um, you may recognize with the elephant head. And um, Ganesh is the remover of obstacles. So starting out on any any project, it's good to have his blessings. Um, and then there's a couple of crystals. I like crystals. Uh, you know, it's a little new agey, but, <laughs> but I like them. I think they're pretty. Um, and so I have um, a garnet, uh, which is really, it's my birthstone, but it's also just a trippy gemstone. Um, they naturally form in a dodecahedron shape. Hmm. Um, so they're they're cool um and a lovely color and then i have a piece i don't know what how else to describe it a, a little figurine um a, a li limited edition um art piece by the japanese pop artist takashi mirakami and um it's uh this recurring figure in his artwork a character called oval and he's oval is sitting on top of another recurring motif in Murakami's work, which is like the sphere of these smiling flower faces. Um, and it's very whimsical and weird. And um, I kind of lucked into having it. That's a story for another day. <laughs> um, but so I have, and it's, it's small. It's only about um, not even, actually I'm going to hold up a ruler to it. It's 10 inches tall. Oh. Um, and so it sits in the corner of, of my desk and he smiles at me with this like crazy, kind of almost borderline psychotic looking grin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, to me, it's like the creative spirit, um, you know. It, <laughs> yeah, it can it, feel like that sometimes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, those are the things I like to have on my desk. And also a little notebook, um, which I really only use, I mean, it just sits there. Um, I, 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 I don't tend to handwrite notes to myself anymore. I, I either put notes in my phone or I just open up a Word document and like make a bullet point list or whatever. But, uh, when I talk to, when I'm, when I'm getting feedback from my agent or any of my critique partners and they're giving me the feedback verbally, I write, I take notes on their feedback in this mm -hmm. notebook. That's mm -hmm. that's also on my desk, but like I basically only use this notebook for that purpose. And that's what's in the desk. All right, Con Wong, where can people get your book and follow your work to come? Uh, well, um, the the place to go is my website, conwong.com. Uh, I am also on Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky as Kan Wong author. Uh, I also have an author page on Facebook, 
it's Kanwang SFF. So those are all the places you can find me on the internet. Um, my book is available wherever books are sold. Um, you can get it from Barnes and Noble. You can get it from the website that is named after a big river that sells everything. <laughs> um, you can, uh, I like to send people to, I mean, I, I, my top recommendation would be to go to your favorite local indie bookstore. And if they don't have it, they can order it for you. Um, you can also order it off of bookshop.org, mm -hmm. which has the convenience of the big website, but it's directly supporting uh, independent booksellers. Yeah, that's a great place to get books as well. And we'll include links at simplywrite.substack.com. That's our Simply Write community. Join us, and that's at simplywrite.substack.com. Con. Congratulations on your book. I, it you. sounds like you have a couple others coming out in the next couple I, of years. Um, I have one coming out with Angry Robot um, again, uh, which I'm thrilled to work with them again. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited about it. It's much more fantasy, I would say. It's it's mostly fantasy, but then there's a little bit of a sci-fi thing. I, I, <laughs> there's that line again yeah, there's yeah. that blurring of the lines i like to do and that book is scheduled to come out in spring of 25 this week consider the words of gene roddenberry who said science fiction is a way of thinking a way of logic that bypasses a lot of nonsense it allows people to look directly at important subjects now let's sit down and simply write Simple as that. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid.